I feel different in a way. I feel more relieved, you know what I mean? I've got the pain as I did before with my old heart. With my old heart I have a lot of pain, but I haven't got that now, but it doesn't feel like I've had a heart transplant. I don't feel no different. I just feel normal, just feel like I'm just, just got a hole in my stomach at the moment. It just feels like I've just come to hospital where I've cut myself open or something. It doesn't feel like I've had a heart operation or nothing like that. I don't feel like I've had a new heart or anything, but I've had a new heart at the end of the day. But it all feels the same. Quite a surreal existence really, just sitting there waiting for this phone call that could change your life or could kill you, but I knew about the transplant I'd be dead anyway, so it was always a gamble worth taking in my eyes. I was very, very unwell. The year running up to an operation, I was 24 oxygen, I was in a wheelchair, I was about six and a half stone. I was basically living in the hospital, I'd go home for a week, couple of weeks and then come back into the hospital, so my existence was totally focused around my condition now has et away at me. My personality and my character have gone. It was just me in this hospital bed getting treated by the nurse. I mean, I tried to keep mentally positive, which was my always thing that my body had gone, but at least I sort of had this mental attitude that I was going to get my transplant, which sort of kept me going through the dark days. Sorry about this. I was a very fit person until about four years ago. And I started coughing, went to the doctor, and he said, you've got an incurable lung disease. I guess as with whatever environment you become familiar with, you gradually lose the the acute sensations that you first get. I mean, you can be really overwhelmed with the noises, especially if you're you have a room in the centre of the ward, and uh, as you know, there are loud alarm bells that clang and 
ring frequently. Very loud, raucous buzzers for people requiring nurses coming to their rooms. Um, gradually that, that fades and you can almost not notice it. I spent the first week trying to turn the bells into flocks of Greek sheep and goats and imagine them up mountainsides, but it wasn't really very successful. And I ended up with great sympathy for Mohammed, I think, who hated bells, didn't he? That's why he has towers with imams calling off them, because bells were out of favour. I can see why. It's very weird, uh, you're on drugs and nothing seems, it, it feels like in a dream world, in a dark dream, uh, you see in things, uh, there's a lot going on, things don't seem to make sense. I, I saw images, uh, like I saw, I don't know what it was, but uh, something on the next bed which looked like a guitar, which was nothing. Uh, I had vivid dreams of just like dark, like hell. Literally, I, I, I woke up, um, and obviously, I, you know, you were fairly morphined up, and I could tell that there was, that, well, I was somewhere, didn't I? I had a ventilator in and stuff, but you know, I could breathe. It was, it was quite an amazing experience, but obviously, at this point, I had no real. I was, you know, still fairly kind of. Anyway, I, I open my eyes and we're in intensive care, so it's white, yes, and there's this huge black guy standing over me, yes, in white, 
I can't. God? <laughs> it was quite a surreal moment, to be honest with you. Um, and then I did actually realise that I had a ventilator in my mouth and that I couldn't actually say God. <laughs> I can't. It's awful because you think someone else has died. It's, I just try not to think about it too much. Mm. Hi. Hi. Um, oh, is the doctor come? Okay. No, it's okay. We come back in two minutes. Okay, thanks. Lifesaver Tully's, you know, we class the lifesaver. It's actually, uh, you could call it a heart, it's just in a box. A couple of uh, batteries keep me alive um, until I get a new heart. Um, it's kept me alive for a year now, it'll be 12 months tomorrow. turn it off to do your off-pump tests. I grabbed the chair and I thought, my heart's not beating anymore, but it's just, I've always been a nervous patient. Seems to have a rhythm to it if you listen to it carefully. Four boots and then... Seems to have a sort of... It doesn't constant, it does four boots and then changes and does... And it makes another different... It's weird. It's crazy to have it. When you see things on the TV like artificial hearts, you think, oh, never, would never have one of them. Lucky me, I've got one. Lucky for me, I've got one really. Without it, if, if I had this, my um, illness 10 years ago, I'd be dead now because the pumps weren't available to have. She'd be dead now.
in front of me a blonde gift a luxury and then it goes that's a sort of choir boy start with like these marriage wedding organs on the start and keyboards and it goes um the more I see you, the more I want to be here, stretching out in the summer sun. You're blind and gifted, you're so uplifting, bringing joy to everyone. You're bringing joy to everyone. You're bringing joy to every. You should be available on the national health. If I had you, honey, I don't want to do it myself. You're the right prescription. For my blonde addiction. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. That's it. Yeah, heart and a double M. Yeah, I had a full engine as I call it. <laughs> New engine. <laughs> my heart went to another man. I was a domino. Because it wasn't my heart that was the problem, it was my lungs. So, um, Asian man had my heart. Which is quite a rarity for a white person to be compatible. When I know him. We both went down to the um, Echo. And he went in before me. And uh, when he come out, I said to the lady, oh, how's my heart doing? And she said, what do you mean? I said, well, you've just been looking at my heart. And she said, oh, that's spooky. <laughs> I found it quite funny. <laughs> but it is funny to, you know, to think he's walking around my heart. And I found that quite odd. Way back in 1984, somebody donated me a heart, and as far as I'm concerned, it's mine now, and I'll do my best to look after it. You know, and whether it, you know where it comes from, it doesn't really matter. You can't be but forever grateful to that person, but because you don't talk about it all the time, it doesn't mean to say that you don't think about it. <coughs> but. Uh, I think one of the biggest things that I've noticed since um, since my transplant is that personally I get very much more emotional than I ever did. I don't find the tears coming to my eyes for no reason at all, even right now, and I don't know why.
this drain here, basically it's a tube that goes into my chest, into my lung, and it kind of hooks around. And this is what keeps the air out with the bottle. And then the long tube goes onto the wall, which is the suction. Constantly keeps the air being sucked out. And with the bubbles at the bottom of here, it shows that there's like an air leak still in my lung. So I feel like a spaghetti junction. And my life is plastic tubes and, you know, I walk around the room and it's like tripping up on myself and get tangled in knots and always getting twisted and looped up and, and the nurses having a little dance around. One of the strongest memories is the, the, the first time that I actually got out of bed after my transplant, walked by myself. And I remember just looking at blades of grass and just saying, how wonderful, how wonderful nature is, how wonderful life is. Even at little sort of blades of grass and trees and stuff, just being completely, completely astonished at, you know, how much life there is still around us. One of the things I want to do um, is a goddess that I believe in in India and um, once a year people um, walk to that temple and I want to walk, it's a five day walk and I want to, I want to try and do that. Yeah, her name is Asha Purama. Um, basically the word Asha means hope and Pura means fulfilled. think about the operation it was like a journey a bit blind faith I thought I'll be all right you're in safe hands or like lying on a on a floating mattress in the middle of a nice water a nice sort of swimming pool you know, on a nice bed anyway they put a nice music on they said there's just gonna be a small prick in your arm and I, I floated off and then I woke up again and it was like somebody had cut you in half with a, a chainsaw in the middle of <laughs> In your body, like as you're cutting half, it's like somebody's cut you along your middle. And the first thing I did was when I woke up, was um, what my mum said was there's this nice nurse there, and I said, Can I look at your bottom for some reason? And she showed me a tattoo on her bottom. 
it's very difficult to come to terms with, you know. It just, just is when you simply take a, do your shave and stuff in the morning and you look at this huge sky you've got and think, my God, you know, really enjoy. How did I get through all that? Things haven't gone completely right, normal, um, but I'm still here. I can still get out and about and do what I want to do, apart from playing golf. <coughs> and apart from these infections. My father, I think, I had um, totally acclimatised myself to the fact that I was going to die. And I've never been frightened of dying, um, as a lot of people seem to be. Um, so I just accepted the situation. You know, I'd caused it, it was my fault. What a shame. You know, I'm, I'm going to die a bit sooner than I would otherwise have done. Um, so. A few weeks after my operation, the staff thought I was depressed and um, called in the psychiatrist. And in actual fact, I wasn't depressed. Um, it had suddenly dawned on me that, hang on, I've got so many years to live now, um, what do I do now? The surgeon who did the operation was just amazed how I actually was still alive. 
once he took the old lungs out there was like nothing left so I, I think I got the lungs literally just in time and all the time I've been 70% positive and 30% negative and that's always been my, my balance and I think a lot of it is your mental well-being and I think you have to fight in your mind nobody can do it for you I could have given up I could have stopped breathing on life support um, I could have tumbled in I mean there was only one time where I nearly did give up and that's when I had three lung collapses in a week and I really thought that's it my time's up and because I was struggling so much I just thought I can't bear this I can't and I've gone through so much and now I feel such um, an immense relief of emotion um, it's almost as if I can't put it into words it's I can't believe what I've done I can't believe the journey I've had um, and I, I now feel over the moon. I now want to jump. I now want to sing and dance. And, you know, there's so much I can look forward to. It's just such an amazing feeling. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it is so hard to find the right words. Um. Okay, maybe some of the people are amazing, you know, and they do exceedingly well. What is amazing, truly amazing, is the skill of the people here and what they can achieve for you. That's what's amazing. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going silly. No, no, you're okay. You can cut out the silly bits. 